Hi, it's Dan Toons here from fastfirms.com, and very soon I'm launching the Future Proof Your Law Firm podcast. What is it all about? Well, as lawyers, we know our industry is undergoing a tectonic shift of which new business models, changing consumer habits, and technology are all converging at once. The net result is that for many law firms, they're confused and not sure what to do or how to respond to the shift. Well, the Future Proof Your Law Firm podcast will help you. Sure, as many of you would be aware from my law firm marketing podcast that I ran right here for a number of years, for the last 10 years, I've been working with law firms at the intersection of law, technology, and marketing, from those publicly listed to small regional practices in Australia and the United States. I even spent three years working on mass campaigns with Erin Brockovich globally. My company, Fast Firms, is a leading provider of comprehensive technology and marketing solutions. You name it, we do it. Be that as it may, while you're waiting for the new release, I've pulled together my favorite podcast episodes from the Law Firm Marketing Podcast archives over the last five years. And you may be surprised, as I was in creating this collection, that the guests and the advice that they share is as still as relevant as ever. With everybody now being accustomed to the slogan, content is king, and of course Google's latest algorithm changes, which reiterates the importance of content, most law firms are out there generating blogs, articles, white papers and the like, and syndicating them across a plethora of social media channels. But what is so often lacking is a content strategy that underpins not only the distribution of that content, but more importantly, who is this content for? Or in the words of Christina Halverson, does this content align with the business objectives of your firm? Christina Harvison is without a doubt the most recognized content strategist in the world, and in fact, her name is often attributed to the birth of this rapidly evolving discipline. Christina has just released the second edition of the Quintessential Guide to Content Strategy that is regarded by industry experts as a must-read. Christina, thank you for joining me on the Law Firm Marketing Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Christina, you started out as a copywriter. Was it the endless frustration of trying to get your voice heard over those who just wanted to talk design aesthetics that sort of prompted you into this whole world of content strategy? You know, it was really less that and more that um, every single time I was called into a project, they were calling me about, you know, six weeks too late for me <laughs> to really have any significant impact over content quality uh, in the launch. They just, um, I found more and more that the answers that I needed as I dove into content development had not been acquired. The questions had never been asked. And so I just sort of started um, assertively pushing myself upstream in the process more and more. And suddenly I was doing sort of almost as much consulting as I was doing writing. And I thought, oh, I'm talking about content from a strategic perspective. How's, how's that? So that was really how, I mean, I really did back into it. Do you still sort of hear the, um, you know, like the designers, uh, you know, try and sort of dominate sort of conversation around, uh, you know, web presence generally? Is that, is that a sort of phenomenon that still exists? You know, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. I think that the answer sort of lies, you know, the web first came into being. I think that we all saw it as a very visual medium mm. and needed the technology to, to fuel it. And so we turned to our designers and mm. our developers to uh, create that presence for us online. 
you know, very quickly, I think people realized, oh, this is a different kind of beast than just a brochure, you know, there's information, there's, you know, different sorts of organizations that we need to take into consideration with regard to content hierarchy and how the design translates from page to page and how we take care of that over time and how when we change one section of the site, how it affects another section of the site. And so I think that very quickly designers have, you know, that they realize, wow, I cannot get, I can't do my job without the input of people who deal with those sorts mm. of, with those sorts of questions. And what I have found, because I have spoken to several audiences, um, made up largely of designers and developers, is that they want support. They want, they know the content is a tremendous problem and it's having a very negative impact. You know, with, if you've got bad content, it doesn't matter how pretty mm. your design is. So, um, so I find that, you know, if they're dominating the conversation at all, it's simply because it's a familiar topic for all of us to talk about. Um, but they, I have, I have yet to meet a designer who says, "Oh, I don't. I would rather talk. You know, I don't need to talk about content or content strategy." That's a, it's a great shift. I think so. I'm really excited about it. You know, I mean, there's so much conversation these days about the importance of content, and and I, I sort of wonder, uh, you know, particularly with some of the law firms that I work with, you know, has it got to a point where we're so focused on generating content, syndicating content, that you know, we, we've we've lost our way in that? Oh, absolutely. I think that what happens is that people think, okay, I've got to crank out a lot of content because I need to keep my customers engaged. Well. Why, you know, and, and why do you, why do your customers want that content? Why would, you know, have you asked them if they want the content? You know, and, and we also commit to these really large long-term initiatives that we simply can't sustain over time, whether it's because of a lack of, you know, skills or time or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I am really, I am really a proponent of less can be more mm. um, when it comes to this. I, you know, I always point to our own website at Brain Traffic. We're a content strategy consultancy, you know, we talk all day long to people about content, but we only post to our blog once a week. Yeah. And we, you know, we have Twitter that we post to once or twice a day. We're not on Facebook. We're not on Pinterest. We're not that active on LinkedIn. And it's because we're a small uh, agency and we, whatever we do, we want to do it right. And it has really helped build our reputation. Yeah, it's it's almost like a touchstone of what you talk about in your book, uh, Content Strategy, which the second edition has just come out, hasn't it? Um, but you talk a lot about objectives, trying to understand what, what's what's the primary objective of, of of your business and what are you trying to do? Is that the starting point in trying to navigate? Um, I think that, you know, this is, I always come back to talking about business objectives mm. and user needs or customer needs or client needs. And I think that if you do anything outside of that context of what do I need for my business and how, what do my users need to meet their needs, that you're spinning your wheels or that you're doing something that's nice to have. And so I think that identifying clearly, okay, what are our business objectives? Who are the people that we are either currently serving or trying to sign or bring in? And what do they want? What do they need? How do they behave? If you can't, if, you know, if you can't plan any kind of a content initiative, whether it's website, social media, or otherwise, if you can't map that directly back to those factors yeah. or explain specifically how they are performing to help you achieve those objectives, then you're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. How do you suggest you get that information? Is it about you know, um, uh, you know, going to 
your consumers or if, for the case of a, a law firm, is it going to uh, clients or those that they're interacting with and, and, and asking them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it depends on kind of the size law firm. If you're a really small law firm of just a couple of people mm. and you're wondering what to put on your website, you know, in that instance, I don't think you have to put that much on there. I mean, mm. you are in that instance, you're gathering most of your business probably by word of mouth. Um, you know, you're building your business on relationships. And so in that instance, I would say keep your website clean, keep it clear. Mm. Um, you know, don't clutter it up with a ton of content because that's People are coming to your website looking for your phone number, you know, and just it, that's okay. I think if you are a mid-sized to large um, firm to get at what it is that, and I should say, you know, understanding that that's what your customer wants. They want your phone number. Mm. Good. Get out of their way and give it to them. I think that if you are if you are a mid-sized to larger law firm who is really working to build a library of intellectual property over time and that that's part of your brand or that's part of building reputation, that's part of how you market yourself and thought leadership, you know, in that instance, yeah, I mean, talk to your account managers, talk to your clients, start take, keeping track of the kind of, in, of initial questions people are asking when they walk through the door. You know, if they are calling and, you know, you said, have you checked our website for that information? And they say, I did, and it wasn't there. No, I would never go to the website. I mean, you've just got to start collecting that data. And it's just a couple of quick questions that you can, that you can start collecting answers to. Yeah. Is, is there a role in that type of work with um, sort of like the usability design? I mean, the Steve Krug stuff where he talks about, you know, trying to, um, you know, ascertain, uh, you know, how people are interacting with your site. Is there a, is there a role around content um, uh, in, in that process? Yeah. You know, he actually has wrote more clearly about content back in 2000 or whenever he published that book than anybody had um, up till that point. And really, I think than anybody has, you know, even recently, I mean, he is just, he had it, you know, keep it simple, keep it transparent, yeah. keep it authentic and get out of people's way and let them do whatever it is that they came there to do. So all of his principles about usability um, apply, yeah. I think, when it comes to content um, uh, the actual substance and the organization of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And look, your book, Content Strategy, which is really a, a seminal text, the second edition is just now out. What don't people get when it comes to engaging people online? You know, so what, um, what, what's the passage been like in the last since the first edition to the second edition that's really prompted you to come back and hammer us with more of a more of your sort of provocative insights? Yeah. Well, frankly, the big, um, the big uh, sort of, uh, I guess, catalyst or, or thing that, that pushed me over the edge to, to rewrite the book with, with my co-author, Melissa, yeah. was that the amount of information that has been shared around the practice of content strategy, the, the speed with which... Uh, new tools have been introduced and methodologies have evolved yeah. and case studies have come to light. It's just been so um, mind-blowing and lightning quick. I mean, you know, when we tackled the book the first time around, I, there just was, I had like three books that I could <laughs> quote and a couple of articles. And now, you know, the conversation and the, the literature and so on, the wealth of knowledge has just exploded. And so that was a big thing, was working to synthesize all the new stuff yeah. that had come in. You know, when we talk about engaging people online, it seems that a lot of the conversations I have around content yeah. are focused on that front end, are focused on the marketing piece of it. And, you know, again, I think that the primary 
problem that people have is they forget to ask their audiences what they want or what their pain points are, and they think that they know all of that stuff and just blaze forward, or they make decisions based on um, inappropriate qualifiers, like we need more content. (laughs) Why do you need more content? So, you know, we address that simply in kind of getting at, okay, what are, your, what are your problems that you're trying to solve? Here's a way to tackle that strategy, and here are a bunch of tools that you can use to help um, shape and prioritize your efforts. Mm-hmm. What would be the most pivotal tool that you, that you sort of talk about in the book that, um, that, that really is a bit of a game changer? Um. You know, I would say that the ones that clients really or that audiences really say, this has changed the way I look at content, um, I think that everybody's favorite, the content inventory, which is where you collect and record all of your um, all of your content URLs or keywords or anything, just keeps everything in one centralized place. That has certainly um, helped people shift the way they see their web properties and, you know, other communications uh, and how that feeds into the website. I think that we introduced a tool called the page table that yeah. assists people in understanding how to identify your top message and your secondary message and how that can, uh, how you can help inform the writer and the designer of how their work can be shaped by that. Um, I think we introduced a very short approach to a, to a style, voice and tone uh, guide mm. that is just literally like a, page, a quick table for people to use. So I think that, you know, it's really the tools that are going to get you, um, that will, that will cut to the chase about what it is that you're trying to do and solve, um, several problems at once. And usually, you know, like often those solutions are, they're pretty straightforward and simple. Yeah. And and there's solutions that apply to even the smallest law firm or even the largest, uh, you know, they're, they're so, um, you can apply them anywhere. Yeah, and you know, I think that that's people pick up the book and they're like, oh, I have to do this all from start to finish. Yeah. No, that is not true. If you're reading the book and something strikes a chord with you, use it. Yeah. Glo- you know, glom onto that thing and go back and use it. You certainly do not need to um, tackle all of it at once. You know, I think that for a small firm, creating an editorial calendar about when you plan to publish or when you plan to update can be enormously informative, you know, just say, wow, that's a lot of work. And that's a lot of, those are a lot of things I'm committing to. I don't think realistically I'm going to be able to sustain that. Well, then you change it. You change what you're committing to. Yeah. Yeah. Christina, what about, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, we've got these firms, these large firms that have built up this huge depository of content over many years, and they're looking at it now going, what do I do with this stuff? You know, um, any, any thoughts around that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the first thing you need to do, I, for a long time, I was like, you have to do an audit so you know what you're working with. And I've recently started shifting that message a little bit to say, before you even bother doing an audit, it can really help to identify what is it that you want your content to do. Because if you can get at that, then when you dive into the content that you have, you can immediately start qualifying this can go and this can go or this can be really useful or, whoa, we have five different um, sources here. They're all kind of saying the same thing. And we do need to say that, but not five different ways. And so, and you know, if, if people are oftentimes people for one reason or another are really loath to let go of that, we call that legacy content or what if somebody needs it? You know, we don't want to take it down. We have it. We might as well use it. Well, then put it into a well-organized, very highly searchable 
library or mm. archive where you can neatly put it over on the side of the site and again get out of people's way. They came there to learn something or to do something. They have, you know, there are usually just a few things that are real top of mind for the majority of your audience. Let them get there and get that information as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's it sounds like a horrible job, you know, having to trawl through all that content. Well, you know, at the same time, it's a um, it's kind of like being like a detective, you know, or you know, and I, you know, you get in there and it's messy and everything's disorganized. And you know, there's gold in there, but you know, you're not sure where. And going through that can just be so informative, and so there can be so many light bulbs that go off, you know, both through the person that's auditing and also, you know, bringing those results to other people. I mean, that's, we get approached a lot for really large audits like that. And, um, you know, as tedious as they can be, inevitably they just deliver results to our clients where their clients are just like doing backflips of joy being so glad that like have those, these insights, <laughs> you know, and then we go to happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you look at the analytics as well, Christina? I mean, are you, are you looking at, you know, how, how, I mean, if there's a piece of content, are people actually looking at it anyway? Do you go to that sort of depth? Yeah, absolutely. If there are analytics available that actually inform the effort. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've gone into a client and they've said, well, here's our page clicks and here's the time on the site and here's, yeah. here's how many followers we have on Twitter and here, you know, and all of these like hard numbers and raw data that they think, you know, that all typically all it adds up to is a level of visibility and how many people, you know, it's eyeballs and mm. like eyeballs don't matter. It's engagement. And that doesn't necessarily come from time on site. It's uh, so it's identifying, okay, what is it that you want to do and how are you going to measure its success? Mm. And, you know, if, if what you want to do is use your website to build your client referral base and then your, your success metric is how many page clicks you get. No, mm-hmm. see, those two things don't go together. Um, so, and, and yeah, and so that's where, that's where I would say analytics are great. Just make sure that you're picking and choosing the ones that are actually going to tell you what you need to know. So, I mean, do bounce, does bounce rate count in, in your, um, in your research of, of whether content's working? You know, it's there are a couple of different ways to look at that. Hmm. Yes, if people are coming on the site and glancing at it and leaving, and that is something that's happening all the time, and you're getting 95% of hmm. that, and 5% of people are staying, yeah, it's hmm. probably a problem with the content. Now, does it mean that it's not quality content? Does, or does it mean that it's not content that's what your users are looking for, or what your audience finds yeah. relevant to them? Um, how are you getting people there? Are you work, you know, paying a lot of money for search keywords and then attracting an audience that is wrong for your yeah, organization? So What's happening there? And so, um, and so I think that that is the, you know, coming at it from a couple of different ways is, is the best way to, to sort of examine that. Yeah, there's lots of variables, isn't there? And I, I often hear um, from lawyers that, that will say, oh, look, I'm, I'm writing this blog every week and, and look at my bounce rate, people aren't hanging around. But there's just, there's so much stuff that can be going on, as you rightly point out. Yeah, I mean, if the bounce rate is high, then, you know, call a couple of people or people who've commented, email them and say, thank you so much for commenting. Why did you land here? What did you find compelling about it? Yeah, yeah. You know, again, is, it all kind of comes back to that user research. And it's ironic, isn't it, that, that um, you know, our content should be focused on, on users and potential clients or clients, yet we forget them. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, and it's, 
you know, that's a, those are that's analytics too. Getting user feedback on what it is that you're doing yes. is. I mean, for example, we host a conference here in Minneapolis, a content strategy conference, and that user feedback for our event, we like we force, you know, we we give them 14 different ways to leave it. Do you want to write it up on paper before you leave? Great. Do you want to engage in conversation online? Great. Do you want to fill out a survey? Great. Because that is that kind of feedback specifically informs our events moving forward. And I think that that philosophy or that approach can be um, can be related across all all practices. What about you know the content that doesn't get responses? No, I mean I think what I would do is I would start you know if I get on the phone with the current client, you know towards the end of the conversation say hey by the way have you checked out our blog? Do you yeah. even know we have a blog? Yeah. When was the last time you went there? You know have you what kind of what kinds of things would you be interested in reading about? How would what would be a good way for us to let you know when we post a new you know when we have a new post go up? I mean all of those things are tied together. You know how you're alerting people, how you're marketing the blog how you're engaging with people in the comments, what you're writing about, how often you're writing about it. I mean, there is a, you know, there's not a magic formula for success there. It's all about, you know, continuing to get feedback in any way that you can and tweaking your formula until until you feel like you've got, until you feel like it's worth it. Yeah. Really. Because yeah, yeah. ultimately, we, we didn't have a blog at Brain Traffic until four years ago because it was just me and a few other people and we were really busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So... <laughs> I didn't want, we didn't launch one until I knew we could take care of it and that it would be effective and useful. So tell me about brain traffic. We are, um, we're headquartered here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we, you know, we are technically speaking, we're a content strategy firm, but really what we do is we sit down with clients and we help them identify what their pain points are and frame that up in the, in the, uh, it, we frame it up as a specific problem, and then we work with them to um, figure out a roadmap about how we're going to solve it, and then we do. <laughs> we, yeah. we do that. We get it fixed. And the, the problems and the pain points are largely focused around content. Yes. Yeah. Is there a, a, an opportune time that, you know, that firms should be contacting you? Is it, you know, at, uh, at the start of uh, even contemplating redesign or, or you know? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, for sure. I think that if you're even thinking about doing a redesign or creating a new site or launching a new blog or overhauling a social media strategy, any of that stuff, you know, I think that a lot of times you can call, you can reach out to us. It's like an, an agency and they're like, yes, let's launch your social media campaign. You know, but that's, that is the, that is the magic of content strategy is that it forces you to consider all of your content initiatives from a strategic perspective. And it gets you away from that tactical, reactive, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this uh, frame, you know, of thinking, because that is what digs you into the hole. That's what dig, that's what, that's how people create content beasts that must continuously be fed. (laughs) So, you know, if you're thinking about making a big change to content, or if you are looking at how you are managing your content or, you know, just feeling overwhelmed. I mean, those are all reasons and great times to call, to call us. Tremendous. Now they can, uh, if, if people want to uh, buy the book or, or at least look at the book, I, I see you've got a, a free download of the, uh, of the cha- one of the chapters, which is a fantastic chapter, I must say. Um, okay. That's contentstrategy.com, yeah, that's, that's- isn't it? 
Yep, contentstrategy.com. It's also available on all the major booksellers and even in some stores, some yeah, real stores. I, I, I so, noticed that. Yeah, it's fantastic yeah, to see yeah, a real book somewhere. <laughs> it's it's uh, we're real proud of it again, and it, I think that it has really. I get feedback all the time that it's really helped people in how they approach their content, how they're thinking about it, how they're doing their jobs, which has been, you know, incredibly uh, satisfying experience for me. Tremendous. Thanks, Christina, for joining me. Absolutely, it was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.